there! Welcome to Ag Trends by AgVend, a podcast where we dig into a new era in ag retail and explore the strategies being used by pioneers in the ag industry. Welcome everyone to another episode of Ag Trends, a podcast by AgVend. My name is Anna Cardoz and I'm a product marketing manager with AgVend. And today we have a very special guest with us, a fellow Purdue University alum, John Demerly, who's the current CEO of Kamada Ag. John, welcome to the podcast. Anna and Boiler Up, thanks for yeah, having that's me. that's right. Appreciate it. <laughs> We're going to be able to see some football this year finally. So uh, great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, happy to have you. Um, so John, for those that are new to the podcast or aren't as familiar with Kamada Ag, why don't you give us a little bit of overview on your background and how you landed to where you are today? Yeah, thank you, Anna. Um, so I grew up on a farm in northern Indiana. Uh, my family still farms in northern Indiana, uh, grain and grain and then livestock farm at that time. Uh, I, per- I attended Purdue University um, and uh, majored in agricultural economics uh, and spent all my time and all my career in agriculture. Uh, I actually served as the executive director for the Indiana FFA organization, where I was involved uh, as, a, as a high school student, but also as a state officer, but then had the opportunity to lead that organization for a number of years. Uh, spent some time in consulting and agricultural consulting, helping organizations think through their strategy, both short-term and long-term, uh, how to go to market more effectively, but also then how to execute on good people development. So I did that for a number of years and spent the majority of my career uh, with Dalgar Sciences and then subsequently Corteva uh, in a number of roles, uh, including serving on the U.S. leadership team and in a number of sales and marketing roles. Uh, during that time, I had the opportunity to get acquainted with Commodidag, as the founders of Commodidag had, had frequented uh, Dalgar Sciences to tell us about their story. I was intrigued with what they were building uh, and then had the opportunity to come on board to Commodidag uh, last September. So I've been on board a little over a year now. Nice. And it's been, I'm sure, a big and exciting year, especially with everything that's happening in the world. And you guys have seen some pretty exciting growth and changes. Yes, yes, we absolutely have. We were very pleased with the with the uptake and really, I think, in e-commerce in general, but in e-business and really growers uh, asking for a, a more digital experience, uh, being able to provide them choice of how they seek out new technology, how they interact with that technology, how they uh, ultimately, in some cases, purchase, or how do they even just make decisions? And so what we're finding is growers have a wide variety of places they go to and to seek out, similar to how consumers think about their buying decisions. So it's been a wonderful experience to work with a lot of great organizations, uh, retail partners alike, growers, but also a number of suppliers that we're partnering with as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about my normal consumer behaviors and during this time, my Amazon has just gone wild. So I completely understand how mindsets in general are shifting. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think that uh, for the first time in the last six months, I started buying my groceries online. And uh, for a period of time, I would actually drive to the grocery store and pick it up. Now I have it delivered to my house. Uh, and it saves me about, saves us about two hours of our lives that we can do something else with. And so it's a convenience thing. I have no idea whether I'm paying more or less for, for my, my milk. I could care less. Uh, it's convenience. It's two hours of my life that I can't get back. And so I think about that, you know, that, that buying mentality that I didn't care about price. It's about convenience for me. And I think also what we're realizing, I, I've heard, you know, Alexander talk about this a lot with AgBend and and you guys talk about that the growers and farmers will, will buy online for a variety of reasons. It's not all about price. It could be convenience, simplicity, choice, whatever that might be. And so keeping that in mind and learning that has been really cool this past, this past year. 
Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into that too much, I have to ask you our staple question that we ask everyone when we start the podcast. What is an innovation in agriculture uh, that you never thought would take off, but actually has? I have a good one for you, I think. It's, I think it's relevant, and it's relevant to not only today, but it's also relevant to my background. Um, you know, a technology that I think, you know, recently has gained some tremendous momentum is the Enlist We Control technology. Um, and I'm going to come at this from an unbiased perspective, even though I worked for Dagger Sciences and Corteva for a number of years. But it's been interesting to observe the dynamics in the marketplace. So while the Enlist technology, you know, when it was developed, provided some great promise in the battle of weed resistance as it was being developed. Uh, the competing technology, you know, objectively was the, the Extend technology. Uh, and really Extend, if you think about what they had, they had great access to market through a wider seat share. Uh, they, they certainly had brought, at that point, you know, several years ago, brought the huge market share of Pioneer Seed into their Extend portfolio. In addition to that, they had kind of that first mover advantage. So all the things, all the things that you look at, hey, as you think about uh, a market leader or someone who's going to take over the market, you know, they had all these things playing in, in their favor. So while Enlist had some interesting and some really, quite honestly, some good, strong, weak control attributes and quite honestly, some really interesting and, and some could argue advantageous attributes really relative to formulation technology, boy, having being first to market and having that wide share you kind of wonder whether this is going to be kind of the, and you probably don't remember this, Anna, but some of the older folks remember VHS versus beta as it relates to VCR recorders. <laughs> as beta was a superior technology, VHS took over. And so you were wondering if that same thing was going to happen. But a lot changed. Uh, so Dow DuPont came together. Uh, the Pioneer Seed brand came into the Corteva portfolio. Uh, it really, that provided an extra incentive for them to really adopt and list as part of their portfolio. You know, Monsanto and Bayer had some interesting regulatory challenges, hurdles with Dicamba. Um, and boy, the timing all of a sudden changed. Everything flipped on its end. And then list really was the right time for them to grow. Um, and I, I think honestly, it'll be the, the leading weed control technology for years to come. So four or five years ago, as an employee, I was wondering, is this technology really ever gonna take off? And all of a sudden it has. And I think the lesson that we can learn from this is that you got to develop the right strategy for your own capabilities. And so you think about what our strategy is as commodity ag versus what AgBend is doing versus our retail partners. They're all different, but complementary and each, each very valuable in, its own, in their own right. Um, you know, first movers sometimes oftentimes have the advantage, but sometimes they can get sidetracked by challenges so that no one has faced before. Um, you know what? Don't underestimate the, the, the uncertainty in life and how that can change things. Um, life's not about assumptions, it's about uncertainties. And then finally, the long view approach. And I think our organizations are taking that long view approach. We believe that, that growers will wanna buy differently. And so that approach I think will, will serve all of us very well. So long answer to your question, Anna, uh, but really I think that's been very, I think growers and, and retailers alike will see that that's, boy, a technology they didn't know for sure was going to come to market certainly has, has done very well. Yeah, and it's interesting that you talk about kind of some of the perfect storm things that came together for those Enlist soybeans and the strategy and the long view um, approach that they really took. And I, I think that ties in very nicely to what we want to talk about today as we think about some of those um, different strategies and different approaches with digital commerce or e-business um, or that 
you know, coveted, overused term a little bit, the omni-channel experience in agriculture and in ag retail. And it also made me think, um, you know, we back in early 2000s, what was it, Rooster or something that had kind of right. tried to do digital commerce in ag and they were just a little bit ahead of their time. And so it, it took a little bit of the, the shake up with them. And then you see other players in the industry that had really big, bold announcements um, about changing the channel or trying mm -hmm. to disrupt things rather than actually trying to enable a different purchasing process. And you, you use this word on a, a recent webinar with CropLife about freedom. Or no, I'm sorry, it was a, a recent webinar with ARA about freedom. No, that's right. It was freedom. Yeah. Yep. And to really give, give customers and give growers the freedom to choose when, where, and how they want to do business with their preferred retailers or in a preferred environment. And so before we dive into that too much, I, I would love for you to give us just a little bit of an overview of, of Kamada Ag and how that whole environment and how that whole process works for growers and for retailers out there. Yeah, thank you. So Kamada Ag is an online marketplace for all things agriculture. So as we think about all the different things that a grower or a farmer or a rancher, quite honestly, may want to purchase, that could be anything from agricultural lubricants to alfalfa, hay, to crop protection products, to seed, to, uh, to animal nutrition, uh, to equipment, for that matter. So we recognize today that, that, that in many cases, a, a grower may have a desire to want to acquire all these different things for their farming operation. Um, and in, all, in many cases, they may have to go to several different types of places, brick and mortar organizations to find these inputs or to seek these inputs out. Um, Commodity Ag provides a one-stop opportunity that allows these growers to go in and, and learn about new technology that, they, quite honestly, they may not know have, had existed before. Um, they may stumble onto new products that they maybe had heard about but wanted to learn more about. Or they may have gone to our website to look into a product price on a product that they've been using for a number of years. And while at the same time then stumbled upon this new innovation, they didn't even know existed. So we truly are building out a marketplace for all things ag that growers will want to come to to learn more about, but also to find out what else is there. So ultimately we want to get to a place where growers will say, listen, if you want to go see uh, new technology, new innovation, see how those things interact with each other, read reviews, um, commodity ag is, is the place to go. Yeah, and there's that McKinsey and Company study out there that shares, I mean, it's a couple years old now, but that over 45% of growers want to start the purchasing process online and want to have that opportunity to research and understand products so they can go into whatever purchasing decision, whether it's with their ag retailer or on, in an online environment, feeling very knowledgeable and educated on the product that they're buying and more confident in those decisions. Um, yeah. I mean, I say this every podcast, I grew up on a farm in upstate New York and I think about how my dad's and my brother's purchasing processes are changing a little bit now as they have more technology at their fingertips. And, you know, we're not the largest producers out there, but the amount of information that they can find online really does help make some of those conversations and purchasing decisions a little bit easier for them. And to go to kind of that convenience thing you talked about before, 
you know, it's convenient for them to find and access that information maybe outside of an ag retailer's eight to five, or let's be real, like eight to midnight business hours. And so they can do that research kind of on their terms. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, recently I, I may have used this story before, so I apologize if you've heard it, but uh, during COVID, we were in quarantine, I gained about 15 pounds, so I knew I had to lose that weight. So I went out and bought a new, I like to run, so I went out and bought a new pair of shoes. Um, I like Brooks shoes. I like Brooks running shoes. It's not an endorsement for Brooks today, but I like Brooks shoes. So I went to four different places. And by the way, the average consumer goes to about six different places to seek out new products and technologies. So I went to Dick's Sporting Goods. I went to a local boutique running store and, and, and I walked in and, and to seek out what they had. I went to Brooks.com because I'm a loyal Brooks customer and I knew they'd had the latest and greatest shoes. Um, and I went to Amazon as well because I wanted to see, read some of the reviews. I wanted to see what else was out there. Um, and guess what? I, I ended up buying from Brooks.com. Now, I, I liken that too, but I guess the, the lesson I learned in all that was who cares where John bought his shoes from? The point is, is that guess what? Brooks, the Brooks brand was present in all those different channels. So it's not about choosing to do, it's choosing to be engaged. It's choosing to be present wherever your customers are going. So I think about when we, one of the things that we do, like you, is partner with retailers. And so what we provide is an opportunity for our retailers and suppliers to place their products on a marketplace, giving them the opportunity to certainly reach new customers, um, but also to successfully provide additional avenues for their current customer base to, to choose to buy from. So I guess if, if a farmer is going to commoditag.com, that retailer at least has a presence there. But I guess what? We also tell our retailers that you ought to make sure that you start this whole conversation around what you want to achieve. What is your marketing strategy? Um, and then you also, it's not the question of whether I adopt a digital strategy or not, or who I go with. It's how many should I do? So as you think about, Anna, the AgVend uh, storefront and the digital storefront that you're, you guys are all building, I think it's tremendous. I think retailers should adopt that strategy because their current customers will want to interact with them digitally in the future if we're not already. So being able to have that uh, digital storefront that you're developing, I think is powerful. Playing a role in commodity ag is also very powerful, but also ensuring that your brick and mortar store, your salespeople understand how all those things relate is critical. And so we, we work a lot to really help our retail partners think through that. Um, but it all starts with a marketing question of how do I want to serve my customers more effectively and how do they want to be served? Yeah, because you know, growers are going to choose the digital or the purchasing experience that they want, whether that's in person, whether that's online, whether that's through a marketplace or through a branded grower portal experience. And so mm -hmm. how do you help some of your retailers think through that different process and determining what type of digital strategy, whether it's the whole kit and caboodle or whether it's just an e-commerce only strategy at first, how do you help your retailers think through what that means for them? That's great. So as we think about the, um, the work that we've been doing in our team the last year with our current retail partners that were already part of Commodity Ag when I came in, but also the ones that we recruited, we've kind of gone back and said, let's, 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 start, let's stop talking about technology um, and let's start talking about the customer. And so what we start with is we want to get a deep understanding of, you know, what is your strategic intent as a retailer? You know, what is, your, what is your objective? Who are you trying to serve? And how are you, how are you going to win? So we start with that. Um, number two then is we help them and we kind of consider 
we don't worry so much about every unique customer segment that's polished, but how do you think about customers differently? How do you serve customers differently? And so we think about segmentation and positioning. And then we say, you know, if these customers are all uh, have a desire to have something different, then how are you serving them today? And then what are the various roles in that? That then leads us to then a, a strategy of, of this, of really moving from single channel to more of a multi-channel where at least you're offering a different option for a grower. So what we want to get to is a point where it's cross-channel, where all these linkages are happening together. So, you know, we truly start with a marketing, strategic marketing question, and then that leads us to the solution. And now what we have found has been very valuable for both our current retail partners to more fully live out this digital presence and this digital um, journey, but it also allows for our new retail partners to really understand and think about this holistically. You know? And so as you're walking through these different conversations with the partners that you had when, you've, when you joined um, as the CEO and then the new partner retailers that you've acquired, how have you seen their mindset shift when you think about these multi-channel approaches and their digital strategy? Or, or are you seeing a shift um, in how they think about kind of digital holistically? Yes, I think, I think a lot of retailers today, um, they, they may choose to say, hey, I want to have an e-commerce storefront or I want to play in a marketplace or I want to go online. But they've really not thought about what they do with that. Um, you know, it's not just about, as you know, it's not just about building a website and hoping people come. That's not what it's about. Um, and they'll have to work together. So I think what we have learned, what our retail partners have learned is, is, is one, it has to be, um, it has to be a strategic focus to execute on a multi-channel approach. You have to want to do that. First of all, secondly, you need to make, you need to ensure that your salespeople understand how all those different channels work together and you have to provide the right level of incentive for that seller to also want to play within those channels as well i think third is you have to recognize that as good as you are you're never going to get everyone's business so most of our retail partners holistically while they may have pretty high share in their local geography on the fringes at at most they probably have 25 to 30 percent share so how do you how do you gain a, a wider share of wallet through a, a different type of channel or a different type of experience? You got to think about that and be deliberate about it. You also have to recognize that sometimes customers, while we love, while retailers love high service, while retailers love the opportunity to, to really service their customers, guess what? Some customers don't want to be serviced. Some customers don't want to talk to a person. Some people don't want to be bothered. They want convenience. They want to just order it online. And so recognizing how those customers are different and believing that and, and living to that is really important. Uh, I think what we'll find with most of our retailers is they have thousands of customers, Anna, that they may have a portion of their business today, but only a small portion of those customers make up a large portion of their business. So in some cases, 100 customers out of thousands may make up 80% or 70% of their business. So what about all the other customers? Are they underselling them? Are they not servicing them effectively? Could they do something different with them that gives them the kind of experience they want while growing their share? But again, it's, it's back to that marketing question. It's about how do you think about customers differently? And it's got to be lived out throughout the entire organization. I think the other part, Anna, real quick, I'll, I'll mention is that what we've learned, this is not, I think e-commerce got to start in agronomy. So crop protection, seed, but we're learning that the opportunity is even bigger 
or potentially bigger in areas of animal feed, agricultural lubricants, other areas that many of our retailer partners offer um, that allows growers a one-stop shop. So we're seeing some great benefit in those areas as well. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, you think about what a new value add really is for these ag retailers, and it's being easy to do business with. We don't have all of the time in the world, and you you see so many growers having to use 10, 12, 13 different apps to try and understand their yield information, understand their agronomic data, what performed, what didn't, where they can purchase things, how to get their pricing, and it becomes very overwhelming, and they don't really appreciate in some instances, those, uh, you know, drop-ins from their ag retailer that now takes a couple of hours of their day. And so when you can be easy to do business with and that convenience factor, I think that's huge. And I think that's a value added service that the grower of tomorrow is really looking for. That is a bit of a mindset shift from what we know, you know, of those relationships or those value added services from 10 years ago. Yeah. I always say if, I'm, if I give advice to a retailer when working with a farmer, first of all, keep the simple simple. So what that means is if it's a simple solution, give it a simple process to execute on that purchase. If it's a complex problem, make it simple. So make the complex simple, but by golly, make sure you make the simple simple. And I think that's really important to remember, and that's part of how you think about customers differently. Some customers, and by the way, you know, that, you know, that customer could be one and the same. A concept or a new technology could be very complex for that customer. You want to make it simple for them through the right kind of advice, consultation, extra service. But they also, there could be other inputs, other areas where they understand it. They're self-sufficient in that way. Keep it simple for them. Don't overburden them with extra service they don't need. Yeah, I think that's a huge part that we're considering. And you know, you're seeing a lot of changes in, in farms today with different generational changes, consolidation, a lot of farms, you know, maybe their son or daughter went to college and is an agronomist. And so they don't really need a sales agronomist per se, but they still value that relationship with, with their retailer knowing that they're local or the community support, or they've done business with those people for years. So you definitely, I think that's a great point, you know, keep the simple, simple and make it simple is awesome. So tell me a little bit more about the profile of the Kabata Ag customer and who it is that your, um, your retail partners are, are servicing with that customer. So as we think about our customer, the, the, really we look at customers as being, our customer bases are those customers that we call them progressive and self-sufficient. Um, certainly there's a lot of, you know, it, there's a lot of growers who are very progressive uh, certainly in some inputs, in, in some categories, in some cases, maybe they're a bit more traditional for whatever reason. Um, in a lot of cases, though, as we talked about this, Anna, there could be some categories where they're highly reliant on a retailer or some other supplier they're buying their products from. And in many cases, they could be extremely self-sufficient. They know exactly what they want. You know, our marketplace lends itself well to that today to at least to those progressive, they're on the leading edge, they want to try new things, they understand what they want, they're seeking out new technology, um, but also self-sufficient. They kind of know what they want when they need it. At the same time, these progressive self-sufficiency doesn't mean they can't go online and to explore new products and figure it out themselves. I mean, to your point, a lot of these young farmers are coming in, they understand, they understand some pretty complex types of, of, of concepts. Uh, and so what we're finding is a lot of, a lot of suppliers who are bringing new technology to the marketplace, are seeking us out to have a platform 
to be able to showcase their products in a broader way. Uh, so we've had a lot of examples recently of that occurring. Um, and our, these growers will seek out information in a, in a variety of places beyond our website, beyond our platform to learn about these products. But certainly the progressive self-sufficient growers, ranchers, farmers are the ones that, that have a tendency to come to our websites and seek out information, purchase or what have you. By the way, I wanna be very careful to say, that doesn't equate to meaning that they're big farmers. So that doesn't necessarily correlate to size of farm. Uh, it's more about behaviors, psychographics than it is size of farm. Uh, these growers range from 500 acres all the way up to 10,000 acres. Yeah, Tracy Linbo actually shared that with us on one of our webinars that in ag retail, we do have a bad habit of kind of segmenting or categorizing growers by either their farm size or their age. And those aren't necessarily the true demographics that we should be thinking about anymore when we, we think about you know, how growers are going to want to interact with digital solutions or, or not. And, you know, one of our grower portal customers was just telling me the other day that one of their most, one of their highest users as a grower is actually a gentleman who's 75 years old. He is transitioning the farm over to his son and his nephew, wants to keep a pulse on the business and really loves that even though he's not involved in the day-to-day -day labor management, he can be on this grower portal, making sure his son and nephew are getting charged the right invoice numbers, making sure they're buying the right products, and still feeling very, very informed without having to leave his house most often, you know, and can really still feel involved. Um, and I just thought that was great because if you had asked me who the highest user was, I probably wouldn't have said a 75-year-old gentleman. Yeah, and I'm amazed by that. Now, I would say my dad is 73, and I think he's still pretty young. Uh, but at the same time, that's I, I'm amazed by the number of, um, if you will, more wise, older farmers and ranchers and growers that are coming to our website to purchase or seek out information. Uh, it's amazing to me. Um, I'm also very excited about the number of females that come to our website. Actually, as a matter of fact, the number of females uh, that come to our website is, is, nearly, is over 25%. Um, that are coming. And so, as you know, the, the growing number of females in agriculture uh, has certainly grown over the number of years, uh, but certainly the number of females that are not just working on a farm, but operating the farm, making decisions on a farm has increased dramatically. And you see that in, in some, of the, some of the demographics of folks that are coming to our site. So certainly um, folks that are older in age, but also different genders, which is, which is really cool, I think. Yeah, I think that's awesome, particularly as a female in agriculture myself, while not in production ag, but getting to see the, the transformation that's happening kind of across the industry right now from producers to suppliers and manufacturers, I think is really neat. And it's an exciting time to be in agriculture. I, I don't know what you think, but I, I feel like in the last six months, we've seen a very accelerated kind of change and adoption of things that may have taken a few years. Um, and we recognize that by um, even sunsetting our marketplace, you know, because we'd seen such an accelerated change that our marketplace um, was not the best way for us to service ag retailers anymore with our development horsepower. And so it's exciting that, you know, Kamada Ag and Agvent have really become, I think you've said this before, very complimentary yeah. in, in yes. what we do and how we can make sure that we're servicing all facets of customers and making sure that growers have the opportunity. And again, to go back to that word freedom to choose where and when they want to do business. 
Yeah, I think I think what I admire most about, um, you know, Agben and, and certainly proud of our organization is the fact that, you know, we obviously have a, care a lot about our customers and those growers. Number one. Number two is our partnership with retail. You know, we're, we're not trying to go around the current channel. We're working with the channel. Uh, we take the best of what the channel has to offer. Uh, I know that we also both partner with suppliers. We want to make sure suppliers are in line. I mean, having a, having a strong supplier network of, of organizations that are bringing technology, uh, bringing technologies to both our retailers to be able to sell through a digital storefront or a digital presence on their own through AgVend. Uh, or through the marketplace like Commodity Ag is extremely important. So, you know, I love the fact that both of us have really kind of taken the best of the industry and hopefully over time we'll, we'll continue to make it better and make us all better. So, uh, yeah, I agree, Anna. Yeah, and, you know, we think about kind of how we've become complementary and there are different models out there. You kind of think about this example, I think Shane Thomas used this in one of his upstream ags, but Shopify versus Amazon. And, you know, you think about these different strategies do you think that there's room for both out there in the industry and do they both serve a purpose? I absolutely do. I hate to uh, go back to my Brooks shoes example, but I will <laughs> think about that. Right. So you think about me buying my running shoes and I didn't do this as a case study. It was just after I did it, I realized, Oh my gosh, I just lived out this consumer life. So I went to the brick and mortar store. I went to brooks.com, which was their digital storefront, if you will, more of a Shopify model to a degree, although they build it themselves. Um, and then I went to Amazon, which is more of our model. Not, we're not Amazon, but it's more of a marketplace model, right? And so, yes. So to answer your question, the point is, is that I'm a different customer. I went to these unique places for all different reasons. And so that's going to continue in the ag space as well. Farmers will go to different sites, go to different channels for different reasons. So absolutely they can coexist. Um, and I think it all makes us better. So I think what we also realize, Anna, that, that really e-commerce, e-business, and ag is in its infancy stage. While it's growing rapidly, having a website, having a marketplace is great, but you also have to build trust with the customer. So making sure that the customer gets what they want when they get it, that it's in good quality, that it gets there on time, that they have a great experience, that any promises that you've made to them, you fulfill, that's the most important thing. And so it's, it's really about, you know, we are supporting retailers and helping them reach growers and ranchers and farmers in a different way. We are building out a marketplace. We are providing different channels. But at the end of the day, you also have to make sure that you're meeting that customer's needs in a way that challenges you to do better every day. And if we do that well, we'll all win. Yeah, I think that's such a key point too. And, you know, agriculture really is founded on relationships and on trust. And I think a lot of people assume that when we talk about digital strategies, we're trying to remove or replace some of those relationship pieces or some of that trust component. And to your point, it's not that at all. We're trying to just provide a different avenue and a different way to reach customers while still benefiting and maintaining those relationships and that trust level. And I think as we really start to explore e-business and digital strategies in ag retail this year and beyond over the next several years. It'll be really exciting to see how some of those efficiency gains actually provide more opportunity for ag retailers to spend the time doing the things that they love, like being with their customers, making recommendations, bringing new products to their, their areas, and less time doing maybe some of that back office or work that they don't really enjoy um, because they've been able to move those to digital touch points and digital experiences. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our chairman of the board, who uh, uh, was the, the CEO of Commodity Ivy for me, Bruce Vernon, who is the CEO of the Equity, one of our founding retail partners, oftentimes says, listen, um, you know, we play a role in commodity ag. Uh, you know, certainly uh, some of our other inputs have their own storefront. We have strong brick and mortar stores, but our salespeople are also willing to communicate during COVID with text messaging uh, or utilizing other means of communication that the customer needs. So being digital is also about just, you know, giving the customer the freedom, the opt to, to, to communicate with you how they see fit. So, you know, COVID really forced retailers to, they could not be in the farm. So how else were they going to do it? And they, util they utilize a lot of different means um, to make sure that happened. I, I would applaud, I would be honest with you, and I, ag retail overall responded very positively during COVID, uh, during the quarantine. It, it hit at the, at, during planting season. Um, and I, I had to applaud both, you know, the, the, the industry organizations, um, the, the retail organizations in the industry who just did a phenomenal job of meeting customers' needs quickly and reacting quickly. I think it showcases the strength of our retail base, the retail channel. Um, it, I think it showcases their, their ability to change quickly uh, and adapt as they need. Um, and I'm, 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 that made me really confident about where we're headed for where we're headed in the ag industry in the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was exciting to see everyone kind of band together and figure out a new way to do business, especially during one of the busiest times of the year when customers need them to be responsive and need their help and need their attention. And yeah, it was really exciting to see um, one of the positives that came out of this global pandemic that we're sitting in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So John, we're running towards the end of our time. So before I ask you our staple last question, is there anything else that we didn't cover today that you wanna share or that you wanna um, let our listeners know about? Yeah, so as you think about, I think if you're, a, if you're an agricultural retailer, uh, I would just encourage you, uh, as you think about your journey, is, is sit down with organizations like AgVend or Commodity Ag or others that you trust um, to help you think through this process. Um, you know, I think we're, we're all very consultative in nature and we wanna help you think through that. Um, number one. Number two is I would encourage retailers that if you think you're going to get your entire strategy built for this and then do it, you'll never get there. So you kind of seen the video of people building the airplane while it's flying. That's kind of what this space is like. And so success before perfection, doing something, taking action is okay. Trying something is okay. Um, so I would encourage you to just try something, do something different. Think about your customers. Uh, and then finally, um, don't always think about what you might lose. Think about how you might gain. And I think that will send you farther ahead. If you're a farmer listening to this, uh, hopefully challenge us, if you will, on how we can better serve you in the future. We're trying to do these new things to make your lives better, uh, to help you seek out new information, new technology. But you have the answers. So tell us, what do we need to do to be more successful in the future? Awesome. I love all three of those points. I think that's really important to remember. I personally have a hard time sometimes of trying something without it being fully flushed out, just my personality. And so it's a good reminder too that you're never going to get it perfect before you try it. And so the time is now to at least start thinking about getting something going. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John, I'm intrigued to hear what your answer is to this since you <laughs> are a grower. And you also have spent all of your career in agriculture. So let's see what you've got for us. What is the craziest thing that a customer or one of your partner retailers has ever asked you to do? Yeah, you know, this is, <laughs> um, 
I had to go back and think on this and I, and I, it's not probably not the most exciting answer, but I think it's telling. So many years ago, I started my career out as a crop protection salesperson. And so I'm going to go way back, Anna. And uh, I was trying to get my start and I, and I primarily called on ag retailers. So, um, and so I would go in and, and during the heat, heat of the season, during spring, you'd walk in and say, what do you need? And, and typically, the retailers that kind of liked me, that trusted me, would, would tell me something. I'd go do it or I'd answer their question and I'd be on the way. Um, but there was one retailer that just was hard to get into. You know, once you had his loyalty, uh, he was great, but he was a tough nut to crack, if you will. Uh, and so I'm going to find some way to do this. So one day I walked in and I go, hey, what do you need? And uh, he goes, you know what? If you really, and he was kind of gruff. He goes, what I really need is my applicator bent that drive shaft on that truck and it needs to be taken into Indianapolis, which was about two hours away to get fixed. You want to do that for me? And I think he was expecting me to say, no, I don't want to do that. I said, absolutely, I will. So I, he goes, really? And so he, I picked up the drive shaft, put it in my Explorer, drove to Indianapolis, found this place, they welded it. I brought it all the way back. And he was, I think I had, it took me a half a day to do it. He didn't know when it was going to get done. And so he was flabbergasted by the fact that I had actually done that. And after that, uh, I had, he had all the time in the world. So <laughs> it's not real crazy, but it was memorable to me because it was something I think he didn't expect for me to do. Um, and I think sometimes, sometimes in life, whether in our professional lives, personal lives, it's okay just to help each other out. We're all in this together. Um, and the simple things matter. Um, being kind makes a big difference. Being conscientious makes a big difference. Um, and doing some hard work sometimes will make a big difference. And uh, getting people's trust and, and, and rely and gaining people's trust takes time. But once you have that trust, don't lose it and maintain that forever. And so that's a story I had, Anna. Not a great story, not exciting, but one that stuck with me because it taught me a lot about myself and taught me a lot about what it means to really help each other out in life. Yeah, no, I think that's a great story. And I can just imagine that, that reaction when he's like, oh, you will do that? Okay, great. Right, exactly. like, that saves me some time and shows me that you're willing to do a little bit above and beyond than what your job description asks of you. So I think yeah. that's fantastic. So Anna, it's been a real pleasure to be on the podcast today. I appreciate it. And uh, I think you guys do a great job with these. So I'm humbled to be on and, and thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So John, if anyone wants to reach out to you or learn more about Kamada Ag, where can they go to learn a little bit more? Yeah, certainly they can go to www.commodityag.com or uh, they can email me at john.demerly at commodityag.com. Be happy to answer any question they might have. All right. Fantastic. Well, thanks for your time today, John. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks for tuning into Ag Trends. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us with the information in the show notes. See you next time.